Hey, I'm Pauline, and this is a Journey to Fulfillment podcast. Learn from awesome people who have gone through personal transformations so you can be inspired to grow, create, and live a truly fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and I've got a special guest on the show today. Her name is Cindy Drummond. Welcome. Thanks, Pauline. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, so glad that you're on. So, Cindy, please introduce yourself and what do you do? Thank you. So my name, as you mentioned, is Cindy Drummond, and I live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I'm best known for my story called Reflections from the Dating Pool. So I'm an author who lives in Calgary and also the host of a retreat called Women Only Weekend. Wow, that's pretty cool. And a word that caught my attention in your book, the word dating, what inspired you to write this book? So from when we first chatted, I mentioned to you that I always wanted to write a book. I didn't have a topic to write about until a few years ago when I left the father of my children. I was living with somebody who truly I thought was the love of my life. And one morning, my dream was shattered when seven police officers burst into our home and hauled him away in handcuffs. Whoa, okay. Yeah, so pretty dark place. I, I had to, that day, I had to make a decision. I left our home. I took my two children, who my daughters, who were 16 and 13 at the time, And I sought refuge in my parents' basement in my mid-40s. So a pretty humbling experience, pretty hard experience, actually. Mm -hmm. If we can go into a little bit, I think people would be quite curious as well. Were there any signs of the person that he was leading up to this event? Yes, not the signs that you would expect me to answer, but there were things like all of a sudden, He wasn't where I thought he would be, you know, there was excuses, his phone now had a passcode on it. And I started feeling like there's something wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And I started second guessing myself. I was asking him questions. I was getting the, you know, babe, you're crazy. It's, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know, you know, I don't know why you're asking me this. And so you start, you start questioning yourself. And you think maybe I am crazy. Maybe I'm just jealous. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm losing it. So yes, there were signs, but I didn't know what that meant. And I ignored them because I wanted to believe him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And only if you're comfortable in sharing, do you know, like when they came in, what was it all about? So when the police arrested him and again, like it was kind of chaos going on in my house, And they first said to me, we are arresting him on charges of suspected voyeurism. I didn't even know what that meant. (laughs) Uh, Voyeurism, the, the definition for voyeurism is basically when somebody without your permission has taken photos or video of you and perhaps shared it, maybe not shared it. But yes, that was what he was accused of was videoing somebody without their permission. Mm, right. Okay. Is that quite a serious offense where you are as well? It is. He went to jail. 
Mm, wow. That's quite traumatic experience, especially, you know, with your two kids as well, with all of that. What happened next? Like after all the chaos, so you went to the basement of your parents. Yeah. Talk us through the life there. So pretty quickly, and I can't tell you now how this came about because I was just living in kind of survival mode, but I knew my family was worried about me. My friends were worried about me. And so as I was trying to process this, there was also some anger. I now was part of this dirty story that I didn't want any part of. And so I quickly realized that I needed to, I needed a distraction. And so I, and I needed something that people would think about me in a positive way rather than a negative way. Cause I had nothing to do with what he had done, but I didn't want that attachment. And so I, I picked up the phone and I booked 65 spots at a resort not too far away from my home city and planned this retreat for women to come and gather. And honestly, it was just something to keep my head from thinking, not from thinking about what was going on in the background with him. And so I guess that gave me something to look forward to. And what I didn't realize is that event when it was all said and done, was this kind of life-changing opportunity for me and a number of people because it propelled me to hold start a whole new chapter of my life. Wow, that's incredibly inspiring. And even for you to come from that chaotic environment, to even have the idea of like starting this event, had you had experience before this in terms of starting events or like, because... I'm just trying to picture someone in this environment. If I was in my parents' basement or if this event had happened to me, in terms of distraction, that's a pretty big responsibility to take on, you know, to plan an event, 65 people. What was going through your mind? Like how did this all come about? Maybe it was just sort of some divine intervention. I honestly don't know because I have never planned an event like that before. I remember just kind of doing without thinking much about it. I was just reaching out to people and saying, hey, do you want to come speak at my event? And hey, I don't have a website, but do you want to come buy a ticket to this retreat that I'm hosting? And it just it just worked out. Um, it's mm. crazy that it worked out. But I think I think maybe it was my enthusiasm. I think maybe it was that people wanted to support me just because you know, maybe some of them were feeling a little sorry for me. I don't know. Uh, but it's quite funny because now when I think back, I didn't even have an agenda. 65 women showed up to this event and I don't even think they really knew what they were signing up for. <laughs> so what was the purpose in order to attract people to come along to this event? You know, obviously it could be some kind of networking things happening, but what was your sort of you said there was no agenda, but in terms of the hook, like what were people doing there? What was happening at the event? They had 12 speakers to choose sessions. And I think they were like sessions on, you know, somewhere financial sessions and somewhere sessions. I think there was a Zumba class that first year and others were, you know, I think there was a wine tasting. So it was just a variety of sessions, which none of those really matter now because, it was just this opportunity where we gathered, but I will tell you that at the end of the Saturday sessions, we did a karaoke dance party 
And when you looked around the room and saw these 65 women singing and dancing together, the only word I can describe it is magic. It was Mm -hmm. absolutely magical. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I've been to quite a lot of events in the past where I know it's quite euphoric when you can, you know, have the unity and the energy of people within one space as well. Mm -hmm. So that event, how long did it go for? How many days? It was just a Friday and a Saturday. Sunday we had breakfast and then we returned home. Mm, Right. So after the event, what happened in your life? Like how did that become transformative for you? I think in two ways. One is there is this, you said euphoric, and then you come home and now all of a sudden I'm kind of depressed again, right? Like I was looking forward to this. I'd put all this time into this and now I was in a position where I'm alone. My daughters are safe, still living at my parents' house who's now gone away for the winter and I'm feeling super sad and I'm feeling really isolated but the other thing that came out of my event I think was this trust and I think I realized that I needed to figure out how to trust again and I needed something to encourage me to I didn't want to be alone the rest of my life I'd be okay if I was but I I didn't want to spend every night on the couch watching tv I knew that I wanted to start living again And part of that included being in a relationship. And I didn't know how to go about that. Mm. Give people an idea in terms of when you spoke about trust. Trust takes time and lots of effort in order to build. In that relationship that you were previously in, how long were you guys together? We were together for almost seven years. Wow, that's a long time. And Yeah. And you can imagine the, you know, how being together for seven years can then lead to broken trust and how hard it could be for someone to reopen their heart again, particularly for something like that. Yeah. So talk us through that journey for you, because from that point onwards, what were the things that you needed to learn or to do in order to rebuild your own trust and, you know, go on that next chapter? I don't know if I knew what I needed to do. I just knew that I needed to start dating. And again, like I had never been on a dating app. I had never, you know, I didn't have any of that experience. So it's all pretty overwhelming. And, you know, you reach out to a few friends and you start saying to people like, do you know any nice people that I could date? And you get the same answer. Well, you know, anyone that I know that's single, probably you're not interested in. So you realize pretty quickly that if you're going to make this work, you have to do the work. You're not going to just walk into the grocery store and bump into the right person. You might, but those Mm -hmm. fairy tales are few and far between. So it was coming up to the end of the year. It was the middle of December. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to have to put myself out there. And I went on to a dating service and had a date lined up. And I drove to that first date crying, bawling, tears streaming down my face as I'm driving to go meet this guy for coffee. And because I wasn't ready, I knew I wasn't ready, but I was also afraid that if I put it off, what if I never was ready? Mm. 
Yeah, a real fear as well because one of those things are like fear of just being alone for the rest of your life, right? Yeah, yeah. So did you pull it together when you, before you got there? Yeah. <laughs> How long was I, uh, drive, I, by the way? Like is this a long drive or like a short drive? Yeah, it was a pretty short drive. I pulled it together and, you know, there was no mascara running down my face or anything. <laughs> so I pulled it together. And the funny thing is, is, you know, you have all these expectations and all these fears. And this guy that walked in, he was just as nervous as I was. You know, so I remember sort of thinking to myself, like, I was so worried about how I would show up. But really, he was just as worried. He was showing up and nervous as well. Right. Mm -hmm. What was the dating service when you were going through that? Because now things have might have changed quite a lot. But just give us an idea of like, what did that involve for you or the process? (laughs) Again, I mentioned that I was naive. So I paid a matchmaking service thousands of dollars expecting that that would find me a higher quality person than if I was just to go on to one of the more common dating apps that they have now so I naively thought that you know they would have this roster of eligible bachelors and they would do criminal checks and matchmaking and line up my values with but I don't really think that's how that, those services work. And I, I don't, I guess I don't really know if, if they're still in business, but I spent a lot of money, again, wanting to trust somebody else. And I felt like the lesson that I learned through all this was that the only person that I can really learn how to trust is myself. Mm, yeah, very valuable lesson. So was there like, I guess, is there a lot of consultation in terms of like, what's your ideal profile and then like set you up and everything? Do you get to choose or like, yeah, how does that work? Yeah, it's all a marketing pitch and I fell for it hook, line and sinker. Truthfully, um, yes, there was pages and pages of quizzes on personality style, but yet I don't really even know if any of that was ever used. And and I guess it doesn't matter, but I just so wanted to believe that that's what I was paying for, somebody to find me mm. Prince Charming. Yeah, you trusted in that process as well by forking out the money for it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go fast forward to the meeting again. So, yeah, how did it meet your expectations or didn't meet your expectations from that get-go? He was a nice enough person. I think what the lesson that came out of that first date was, okay, that was probably the hardest date I will go on. So maybe, well, I'm not ready at this moment. Maybe if I set myself a challenge, maybe if I challenge myself to go on 50 dates over the course of a year, maybe then I will be able to find the love of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you are really willing to put in the work. Yes. Yep. Uh, Okay. And yeah, so then when you set the challenge, then what happened from there? How did you schedule it? Or like, you know, how did this all come about? So in my mind, I thought, okay, so there's this one dating service and I'll just get on one app and, you know, again, they'll just be like the floodgates will open and there'll just be all these men that want to take me out for dinner. and, And that's not how it works. I was on one app and, you know, you get a little bit of attention and I've got a few dates lined up and 
I go on a couple of those dates and then I'm like, okay, maybe I should get on another app. And then there's a few more dates, but it it doesn't matter. I'm doing the work. Hmm. I'm coming home from every date and I'm journaling and I'm writing little notes to myself and I'm, and I call, I'm calling them words of wisdom. And so for example, date number six never showed up. Mm -hmm. I went to a coffee shop, waited and waited and there's people coming through and this guy does not show up or worse, maybe he showed up and didn't like what he saw and he left. Right. Mm -hmm. That's pretty humbling. So I come home and I write myself a little note and I say, okay, words of wisdom, never stand somebody up, never let somebody feel how you felt today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very Mm -hmm. profound. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so then were you tracking (laughs) like, like after each one you were like, okay, we're like, you know, did you have a tracker or something? Like, how do you know? With tracking in the sense that I journaled, I, I, you know, I'd write date number, date number seven, another Dave. And, you know, and I, and so I would write, you know, like, this is what, where Dave and I went, and this is what I learned. And, you know, this is what I'm going to take away from this experience. So yes, absolutely. Mm, Okay. And along the 50, were there any successful that really took you on the journey? Yes and no. There was a few guys that I had a second date with. There was a few guys that I had a third date with. There was a lot of guys that I, you know, I kept meeting the same type of person and I would come home and I would say, okay, like I thought we'd figured this out. We weren't going to date guys that had never been married or nothing wrong with that. But for myself, as a mother of children, I knew that I probably needed to date somebody that had their own children. And so, you know, I was just trying to figure it out, but there was some good dates. There were some nice guys for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm. Yeah. Cause that's really interesting. You mentioned like, I'm really curious. I mean, I don't have children yet. However, very curious about that side of things. Like how is the playing field different or what are the challenges you have when you do have a family of your own and you are trying to find the next love of your life? That's a really good question. And I, I don't know if there's one answer, but I do remember going on a date with somebody who did not have kids, who had never been married, and we were going to meet for a movie. And I had to send him a text and say, hey, I'm going to be about 15 minutes late because I have to deal with something with my daughter and dealt with it, showed up. And then he was really cool. Like he sort of didn't talk to me for about a week. And I remember reaching out to him and saying, what's going on? And he said, I'm not sure I want the drama of dating someone with kids. Mm, Huge red flag. Yeah. And that's the truth, isn't it? Is that, you know, not everyone's willing to be in the puzzle of everything as well. Yeah. And I didn't hold that against him. That was just, again, a reminder is how can I expect somebody without children to ever understand the crazy things that parents might be willing to do for their kids, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, you just do it. The phone rings at two in the morning. And if your kid needs you as a parent, you jump out of bed. Mm. Yeah. They're like your first priority. Yeah. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. Before we continue with this episode, I'd love to take a few moments to invite you to join my free resources course library. 
Inside, you'll get access to my guided meditations and practical tips to help you power through your day with more clarity, ease, and confidence. So if you're ready to raise your energy and create fulfilling success on your terms, just head over to journeytofulfillment.com. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. So talk us through the rest. As you were going through this and journaling and making the new discoveries for yourself, so 50 was your number. Did you hit the goal? I did. So I told you about the first date, the middle of December. One year later, I had the opportunity to spend a week in Maui with a girlfriend. And we were in Maui and I was was the day I was coming home, I was getting ready to go to the airport. And she said to me, Oh, my goodness, it's the one year anniversary of your first date. She's like, and you did it. You've been on 50. And I think it was about 53 dates I had been on. And she said, like, now what, like, what are you going to do? And I said, I I don't know, I guess I'm gonna have to date 100. And she Mm -hmm. said, No, like, you need to make a list. Like, you've been through this journey, and you know who you are now. And you know what you're looking for. She's like, write a list, like write down the things you're looking for in your next person. And so I remember this, you know, I'm standing overlooking the water in Maui and I got my hand on my chest and I'm like, yeah, like, I think I'm ready. Like, I feel like, I feel like I've grown a lot in the last year and I feel like I've done the work. And so I did, I made a list of what I was looking for and Mm -hmm. whether again, I get on the plane and I'm working on my list a little bit more and I come home And the next person who asked me out for coffee, date number 54, spoiler alert, is the man I'm married to. Wow. That's amazing. And like, congratulations that, you know, you've went on this journey and managed to really get to the next marriage phase because, you know, some people, they don't consider a second marriage as well. It might Mm -hmm. be one of those things. But the knowing who you are. So how important is that in terms of, finding love. It's the only thing that's important. That same friend, I think halfway through the journey, she's out for dinner with me. And she's just like, I could not do what you are doing. Like, how are you even having the time or the energy to go through this? And I had this kind of realization. And I said, I don't think it's about the guy. Truthfully, I think it's about learning how to date myself. Because I told you that I showed up to the first date crying. Mm -hmm. I was a mess. I was I mean, the person I showed up on date number one, two, three, was not the same person that was showing up on date number 36 and 37. Mm, Hugely. Yeah, it's the whole like, when they say that it's not about the end result, some of the times, but it's about the person that you become. And that's what Mm -hmm. I'm really hearing from this dates that you've been on. What happens when it starts to get hard? Like, you know, were there any times in between where you're just like, ah, oh, screw this. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, like I've got to get to that 50. But, you know, sometimes when we're focused on the number as well, it's you're not really present in the moment or maybe you're not going into things with the right energy because you are just like, let's just get this over and done with. Let's just do another number. Did you ever get to that phase in between somewhere where you were like, I just want to like stop this or like, I don't want to do another one. Like, yeah, because it can be pretty brutal. Yeah. And you said, screw this. That was not the words that came to my mind, but absolutely. You know, especially when you're feeling 
kind of deflated after a few of those dates, right? Like you come home and you're just like, really? Like I put on lipstick for that. Mm-hmm. But the goal was, you know, the goal was always the goal. And I'm pretty tenacious and I'm pretty stubborn. And I just believed now, some people don't like this phrase, but I still believed in it's a numbers game. You can't mm. go out to a room full of single guys. And if there's 50 single guys standing in that same room, you're not going to like 50 of them. You'll be mm. lucky if you'd want to have lunch with one or two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you say tenacious, I mean, like the, considering that you married the 54. So you were still, you still had the energy to keep going after the 50. You were still like, was there a yeah. new goalpost or like, were you just like, oh, like if someone came along, I would go on another date or like, what was your mindset after 50? I think my mindset after 50, I mean, goal achieved. I didn't have a new goal. I actually, there was date number 53. We had been on three really nice dates. And then I went to Hawaii and, but we weren't exclusive. So, you know, there could have actually been a whole different fork in the road had I not heard from date 54, but I do think that it's just sort of a, I don't know. I just think the universe worked as it was supposed to. So I was just now way more relaxed and, you know, however long it took to find the right one, I was in it. Mm, Yeah. Beautiful. I'm really curious about when you made that list for yourself, How come you didn't make the list before you went on the dates? Like, did it ever occur to you about that part? It should have. But, you know, maybe it didn't because maybe in my heart I knew that I wasn't ready to make the list until I had given myself some time to heal. Mm, Yeah. And so that's really interesting in terms of the healing because you actually put yourself out there while you were healing. Whereas like, you know, once people get burnt, some people can retract and just be like, I'm never going out again. And this is the world's too scary. And, you know, like having to do this process is too painful as well. What advice would you give people who may be experiencing or like are going through the same thing as you? Obviously, the challenge is something that worked for you. It might not work for everyone else. But what advice would you have for them to be able to build trust again after a breakdown? I think this advice is suitable for after a breakup, but also after going through a lengthy pandemic. I mean, we have all had some lessons in isolation and being lonely. And I feel like you sometimes have to push through the fear for the end result. Life is really short and we know that now better than ever. So I do think that you shouldn't rush anything, but I do think one step in front of the other, slow, tiny steps, I think are are really important. Mm -hmm. And give people a picture of like, when you said that you made the list and you knew yourself more through this process, what were some of the things that you had really like, that was profound for you to even discover about yourself at a deeper level? Profound about me. I guess I now know more than ever that I can trust myself. And I now know that if something doesn't feel right, it isn't right. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I think my self-esteem is higher. I know that I'm not for everybody. And 
you know, that that doesn't bother me like it used to. I feel like, so my self-esteem is higher. I feel like I'm more resilient. I'm pretty proud of myself that I was able to stick it through that journey because the end result was fantastic. The reward was amazing. Mm, Yeah, that's awesome. Trust, trust is something that is, can be quite intangible. Mm -hmm. When you say trust, how do you know that you trust yourself more? Like, how do you measure that? (laughs) (laughs) Because like, yeah, 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 heartbroken to knowing that you trust yourself more and that you're ready. Yeah. What's your definition of like, or feelings towards how do you know that for sure? Truthfully for me, it's in my gut. I feel like if I thought something before and I, you know, you receive information and your head is nodding. Yes. Okay. I'm hearing that. But my stomach, my gut was like, I can't really describe the feeling, but it's a feeling. It's an innate feeling that I would have where it just wasn't sitting right. Mm. And now I am way better at paying attention to that. Whatever that feeling is, I don't have it. Now it's just like when I hear information I receive, if it feels right, it feels good. But if I get that, even when I meet someone for the first time, you know, and we all do this, you meet someone for the first time and you just like kind of have that little flinch or that little like, oh, that's trust. Yeah. That's your body, your intuition saying warning. Mm. Can we go to number 54? <laughs> I'm so, I don't want to call, call him number 54. Does he have a name or do you want to just leave it at number? <laughs> um, His name is Jeff. Jeff. Okay. When you met Jeff, what were the sensations or the feelings that you had that you allowed you to follow the trust or the intuition? So when we met, it was the day after Christmas and in Canada, Boxing Day, we were going to meet for coffee. And so we picked the spot. I arrived a few minutes early and the coffee shop is closed. And so I'm in pure panic mode. What are we going to do? The coffee shop's closed. This I'm going to look silly. This is not great. So anyways, he, he comes in and I remember he's in this indoor mall and I turn around and I see him and again it's going to sound so silly but I feel like there was just this immediate oh there he is there there's what I've been waiting for which you didn't have with the others the 53 before no interesting yeah 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 so that was the inner talk at that that was the inner talk yeah yeah that was the inner talk And again, I'm used to, you know, being in control and fixing situations and stuff. And I'm trying to steer him into a convenience store to to have this coffee. And, and again, this is how I remember it. It might not be exactly like this, but I remember him just sort of stopping me and saying like, no, we're not having grocery store, convenience store coffee. He's like, I know you don't know me, but again, trust. Why don't you just come into my truck? And let's go get a Starbucks or a nice coffee. I know where there's a Starbucks open. And I just remember being like, yeah, again, somebody that will maybe take care of me. And, you know, not that, again, that wasn't on my list. I didn't need a hero, but 
I just really felt like that was the person I was waiting for someone to solve problems with me. Mm, Yeah, that's wonderful. And love that you put it in that way, someone to solve problems with you. It's like a very Mm -hmm. team orientated, you know, relationship. When you got together, so after this initial first date, then after that, yeah, give us some highlights. I mean, how did it lead to marriage? Well, we went for coffee and after his second cup of coffee, he's, we were comparing dating notes and cause he had been single from his wife for about six months. And I said, well, I said, your date number 54, thinking that I was going to completely shock him. And he smiled and said, or I could be the last. Mm. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, flat, you know, lots of dates and, you know, yeah. Well, I think what happened really is on, I think, our third date, I was still living in my parents' basement. So that's, you know, hey, want to meet my parents? I live with them in my mid-40s. But I had just bought a condo and I was going to move into that condo, but I couldn't move in for about five months. And I said to him, hey, I need someone to rent my condo for five months. Are you interested? Because he was still figuring out his house with his ex-wife. And so he moved into that condo, not with me, obviously. And so he's like, yeah, but what if we break up? And I'm like, well, I'll be a really nice landlord, landlady for you. So the the whole thing just worked out. Uh, He had been living there for two weeks and a condo 10 houses down became available. So he bought that one. So we had these nice little, you know, 150 steps to each other's house dating for the first year and a half. So, you know, we took it slowly, but we were also serious and committed from the first date. Mm, Yeah, that's a beautiful journey. And in terms of like, how long until you actually got remarried? We were together for four years before we got married. Yeah. 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 That's a solid amount of time to really get to know each other, especially yeah. if you're going like 150 meters in between as well. Yeah. That's pretty convenient. Yeah. Wonderful. And so I want to rewind this incredible, inspiring journey that you've been on and really just like wrap it up in terms of the book. When did you decide to write this book and you know, what was that process for you? Every time I told somebody what I was doing, they said, oh my gosh, like you should write a book. And that probably planted a seed. So once we'd been dating for a couple of years, I was looking at the journal and I was starting to sort of formulate some, you know, very basic story. And I just kept working on it and working on it until I was ready to show it to a few people And I have to say that that was the most cathartic part of the whole healing journey, because by writing that story down and again, starting from the the worst chapter of my life and how that progressed and how I could see how I had grown was the healing process. Mm, Yeah. And that's pretty amazing because now you've got something that, you know, you can, 
you have a legacy for the rest of your life that you can always look back on. When you mm-hmm. do you ever reopen it and just sort of have a like reminisce about the certain stories that you've written within it? Kind of. I <laughs> this will sound really funny. Every once in a while, somebody will like remind me of a line that I wrote or a words of wisdom. And I think, oh, yeah, that's really good, isn't it? Because when you're <laughs> in it, you know, you just started writing it, whatever. But then, yeah, when I've stepped away from it, I'm like, wow, like, yeah, that's what I was thinking at the time. And I sound pretty smart. Mm, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. How has life changed since writing the book and getting remarried and everything nowadays? I think it's changed in the sense that, I mean, life is calm. That was not a calm period of my life. This is the life that you sort of strive for where, you know, there's no drama, you know, there's just, it's just everyday living. And if I can share my story with people like you and just spread hope and inspiration, I mean, that's the goal. So that's the legacy I want to leave. Mm, Yeah. Which then leads nicely into my final couple of questions for you and that is that now with all the knowledge and words of wisdom that you know what does fulfillment mean to you I think fulfillment to me means I sleep well at night I don't have that angst that anxiety and also I can look at my daughters and I can see that they're proud of me and so that is the ultimate that my husband and my daughters and my parents know that I turned out okay and I got through the worst days of my life and I came through it okay Mm, so courageous and lastly imagine that this calm continues on for you know the remainder of your life and that you've achieved everything that you've wanted and your you know your daughters and your husband everything is going you know the way it should be or is if your last day on earth came what would be the message that you would want to send to the world or leave us with? Colleen, you ask some good questions, don't you? I think it's going to sound trite because you've heard this probably on a postcard, but nobody can love you until you love yourself. So figure out how to love yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful words. Thank you so much, Cindy, for all your insights and wisdom on your journey today. It's been such a pleasure and so inspiring. Thank you. It was amazing. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is out. Also rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends because just one insight could change someone's life for better. Now go out there and make an impact and I will catch you in the next episode.